Tonight, I want you to think about your nativity set. Maybe one you grew up with, or your grandparents said, if you don't remember one, there's a giant one right there. I want you to think about all the figures in your nativity set. Normally, there's, there's Mary. Mary is always sort of lovingly kneeling beside the baby. It's so wonderful. It's first child, you know, and she's, she's excited. The shepherds are full of awe and wonder as they have come in from their fields being sent by the angels. There's all these animals that are not actually in the Bible, but, you know, they're there. And then the wise men, they're normally multi-ethnic, kind of representing people from around the world. And uh, they come, they're, they're dressed up kind of fancy, and they're offering their gifts, and there's a, like sort of this passionate moment. And then there's Joseph. Now, when you think about most, most nativity sets, Joseph's kind of there, kind of hanging out. He's actually a little bit tough to distinguish sometimes from one of the shepherds. He's just kind of there. He doesn't have kind of a blank face. I'm interested to know, you think about from your uh, childhood, the nativities that really comes to mind, how old is Joseph? In some nativity sets, Joseph's a lot older, and some, Joseph is younger. But we don't quite know what to do with Joseph. In fact, how many of you, you've probably seen paintings of Madonna and child, right? Mary holding the baby Jesus. How many of you have, heard, have seen a painting of Joseph holding Jesus? Joseph holding the baby? There's, there's some, but there's not that many. Here's the big test. Can you name a single Christmas carol that mentions Joseph? Can you? Can you? Now, I will tell you there are a couple, but they're really old and we don't sing them. Okay? They're, 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 we don't sing them anymore. Like, they're, Joseph never gets played at Walmart. The angels do. Okay? Joseph's this really weird character in the text. He, 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 Joseph has no speaking parts. Joseph doesn't say anything. Okay? Uh, Mary does. Shepherds do. Herod does. Joseph has no speaking parts. Now, angels appear to shepherds. Angels appear to Mary. But if you pay attention to the text, Joseph is spoken to in dreams. He never sees an angel for himself. Such an interesting character and yet we never quite know what to do with him in our songs and our nativity sets. So tonight, I want to give you Joseph's perspective. I want to talk about what we do and do not know about Joseph. Now, you've got to get yourself in the, in the picture. This is the first century, so the world is very different. The world in the Middle East is actually changing a lot in the first century. Okay, they had this new technology, it was called cisterns. Before that, if you wanted to live, you had to live near water which means you had to live near a lake, you had to live near a river, you had to live near a spring, that's where Jerusalem was, but you had to live near water. And so certain places you couldn't really live. But, but what we know from archaeology is that right around the, the change of century, just before the time of Jesus, they developed this idea of cisterns where you could actually collect rainwater in the rainy season, and that way you could live off of that rain in the dry season. And so what was happening is people were moving. We have all these new communities sprouting up. So you were leaving Jerusalem that was really crowded and busy. You were going up to, to Galilee where all these new towns were started. It's so much prettier up there. It's much more mild. Jerusalem's really cold at night and it's actually desert. So it gets really, really hot during the day. Um, up in Nazareth in the Galilee region, it's really nice. You can grow a lot of stuff. There are all these communities. You could find work. And so it makes perfect sense that Mary is living up there. 
but she has a relative named Elizabeth down in Jerusalem because some of her family stayed and she moved. Also makes sense that Joseph has moved to this area. Okay, He is able to find work. Joseph is called in the text a tecton. Now we typically translate that as carpenter, but that's really not a good translation. For one thing, there's not a lot of wood in the Middle East. Okay, if you ever go there, there's just not trees. The trees you could almost reach the top of. Okay, there's not a lot of people building anything out of woods, out of wood in the Middle East or in that part in, in Israel. Okay, so tecton is not really carpenter. It's, it's more like a stonemason, general contractor. Okay, he's probably making a lot of stuff out of clay and a lot of stuff out of stone. Maybe some out of wood, maybe fancy tile floors, maybe thatch roofs. But, but it tells us a couple things about Joseph. Number one, Joseph is not like this skinny rail of a guy. He's kind of built. He's a construction worker. Okay? He, he works with stone. He, he, works with his, he walks to work in different towns near him. It also means Joseph's not that poor. We have this, this depiction of the Holy Family being really, really poor. No, as a tecton, he made a pretty good living. He's not rich. He's not poor either. He's somewhere sort of in the middle. Now, he's betrothed to Mary. Now, this is more than being engaged. So we've we got to get this in our head. Okay, to be betrothed, what would happen is when you were younger, your parents would sort of arrange a marriage loosely. Like, okay, my son's going to marry your daughter. But then what would happen is when the daughter became of age where she could get married and start having children, right around 12, 13, an official marriage contract would be made called a betrothal. It was very public, okay, in front of the whole community. You'd get together and you'd officially bring them together. And, and to do this, the, the father of the bride would have to put up what was called a bride prize. Okay, so he would have to put up money, a lot of money actually, basically enough money for them to put up a small one-room house that most people lived in when they first got married. Okay, at the same time, Joseph had to put up certain money in front of the whole community. So Joseph would have had to have put up about six months' salary that the community would hold in trust just to prove he wasn't a bum. Right, just to prove he was able to take care of his wife, and that so so also there was gifts between the bridal families. It was a big to do in the community. Okay, that's why to be betrothed is more than to be engaged, because to break off a betrothal is a divorce. Okay, there's been a legal contract in the community. This brings up a question: How old Joseph is? Joseph would have had to have saved up about six months' salary. You can't do that in six months, right? You, you have to do that over time. So Joseph's a little bit older than Mary, maybe 18 or 20. Some people say he's a lot older, um, and that's based on the idea that Jesus had brothers and sisters, so maybe Joseph had them from a previous marriage. Uh, I don't see any reason biblically that that has to be the case. It could be the case. But if you look at a lot of nativity, says Joseph's a little bit older. I think Joseph's probably more like 18 or 20. That seems to make sense to me out of sort of the culture. But so this betrothal has happened. Like this whole thing in front of the whole community has gone. And now he finds out this girl that he is betrothed to is with child. Now, what's your first question as the groom? Well, who is the father? Right? What's Mary's answer? Funny thing about that, right? Uh, it was the Holy Spirit, which is an excuse that has worked 
never, never has this excuse worked, ever. So Joseph's got to figure out what to do, right? And this has been a very public thing. Okay, remember, the whole community is aware of this. The betrothal happened in front of the community. Everybody's waiting for this big wedding day, and now Mary's pregnant. So Joseph's in a dilemma. If he marries her, he's basically saying that we had adultery because even though they're betrothed, they are not married yet. Okay, in a little town like Nazareth, he would never, there were, there were people that would never do business with Joseph again if this had happened. They would never do business with Joseph because of this. But if Joseph accuses Mary of getting pregnant outside of their betrothal, she could actually be stoned. Not only will her excuse of the Holy Spirit did it not work, she's actually not allowed to testify in court at this time. So Joseph pushes, she can actually get stoned. Probably that's what a lot of people wanted to see happen. Maybe even some of her family at this time. So what is he going to do? Well, he thinks in his head, probably takes a little bit of time. And then he decides, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to divorce her quietly. Now, by doing that, there's always going to be people suspicious that it was, that it was Joseph's baby. So there are probably people in town that aren't going to do business with Joseph anymore. But at least he'll protect her. This is a really brave and honorable thing that Joseph does. He's willing to take a hit for something he did not do in order to protect Mary. It's really this brave, generous, courageous sort of move that Joseph is willing to do for Mary, but he doesn't end up doing it. Why? Because he has a dream. Always interesting to have Joseph have dreams because there was this other guy in the Bible named Joseph who also had dreams. He, he interpreted dreams. He's known for that in his techno-colored dream code, right? So Joseph uh, has dreams, and, and in this dream, he gets an angel that says for him to marry Mary. Go for it. This is God's plan. And so Joseph does. He listens to the dream. I don't know if you understand how brave that is, right? I've had a lot of dreams I shouldn't listen to. Okay, How do you know when it's one you should listen to? But he does. And they get married. Around this time, a census is called for. Now, we aren't told why Joseph has to go to Bethlehem, but perhaps he's moved up to Nazareth, but he hasn't officially changed his, uh, his residency, right? He's still, a, he's still is actually a resident of Bethlehem, so he's got to go back there. Even if that was the case, he doesn't have to take Mary with him. I think actually he's trying to protect Mary when he takes her with him, right? That, that he's not sure what the people in the town, maybe even her own brothers, are going to do to her while he's gone. And so he takes Mary with him to Nazareth. Now, um, Nazareth is, is, depending on how they take, from Nazareth to Bethlehem is about a 70 to 85 mile trip. That sounds like a lot for you to walk, but in those days, people walked 12 to 15 miles on average a day from what we can calculate. Okay, So the idea of walking 20, 25 miles a day to Jerusalem, which they know the trip, Mary's already taken it to see Elizabeth. Okay, so it's probably a four or five day trip. Um, they, the Bible never says she rides on a donkey. It's not in there at all. Probably they walk. As a tecton, he probably doesn't need a donkey, and donkeys are pretty expensive. They walk. They probably walk early enough that um, she's, because the text says she's there when her time comes due to have the baby. 
So we have this picture of Mary sort of waddling in with her water broken, ready to have the baby or first night there. That's not, that's not how it is. Okay, they get there. The, the, the text says there's no room in, a lot of translations say in, we even read in. But it's really a guest room. Okay, it's not an inn. And I can tell you that because Bethlehem doesn't need a hotel. Okay, little town like Bethlehem doesn't need a hotel. Like Eastbrook, why do we need a hotel over in Eastbrook? We don't. Okay, uh, nobody comes to Bethlehem. There's just sheep there. There's no hotel. The word there is kataluma. It's an extra room. So what would happen in those days, you'd live either on kind of a split level so your animals could come in at night, or sometimes kind of two stories so your animals are on the first floor and you sleep above them for warmth when it's cold at night. And so there's no room in the guest room, which is on the back of the house or that upper room. It's the same word Luke uses for where Jesus does communion. It's not at a hotel. It's the extra room. There's no room in the extra room because of the census. So Mary just has to be in the main living area of the house where the animals come in at night. Um, now, can you imagine having a baby in your in-law's living room? Right? This is awkward. But they do it, and they do what they have to do. Now, in the nativity sets, Joseph seems rigid and sort of unemotional as the baby finally comes. But I can't imagine that. I can't imagine that you've gone through all of this with your betrothed. You got married because an angel told you in a dream to do it. You've traveled all this way. You have the baby, and then you have a look like, huh, how about that? Right? No, I think there's, there was joy and pride and excitement. I bet you Joseph held that boy, picked that boy up. There was excitement and, and wonder. Especially excitement when all these shepherds start coming in that night. A bunch of shepherds just bursting in, talking about angels. And I wonder if Joseph, sometimes in the nativity sets, he's holding his staff. And I can imagine him like one of the Ninja Turtles holding his staff, watching as all these shepherds are coming in. He's really like standing guard. It says Mary ponders all these things in her heart, but I wonder if that means Joseph pondered them out loud. If he's walking around talking about it. Now, after some days, Joseph and Mary take Jesus to the temple to be blessed. There are a couple other weirdos, Simeon and Anna, come and bless Jesus. And then later, even stranger would have been these strangers from the east coming. These foreigners who may not even really speak the language coming in with all of these odd gifts. Joseph, again, probably standing guard with his staff. Now imagine Joseph has another dream. And the dream says, you got to get out of town. Your family's in danger. Right? Imagine as a dad hearing this. Okay, your, your, your child is, is going to be killed if you don't move. And so Joseph has to get up from that dream and gather up his family and go to Egypt. Now, Egypt is not 80 miles away. Depending on where they went in Egypt, it may have been 400 miles away. Probably the only way they could afford to travel is the gold that the wise men brought in. But Joseph does it. And in doing so, Joseph keeps Jesus safe from Herod's paranoid murder spree. After some time, probably a few years, of being refugees in a foreign land, they, Joseph finally has a dream that says, okay, you can go back. And then he has another dream saying, don't go back to Bethlehem, go to Nazareth. From there, we see Joseph only one more time. He takes Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem when Jesus is 12. Remember the story? 
They're at the temple. They realize they don't, or they come home. They, they realize Jesus is not with them. They go all the way back the 70 miles to where they are, and there's Jesus, 12 years old. Again, in those days, um, that's closer to adulthood. And what does Jesus say? Did you not know that I must be in my Father's house? What hard words for Joseph to hear. My Father's house, but I'm your Father. But I'm not your Father. I'm your earthly Father, your adoptive Father. I wonder how Joseph took those words. But I wonder if, if also there's a sense of pride that Joseph raised Jesus, taught him to be a tecton. He, he cared for Jesus as a refugee in Egypt, built a home and a life for them. But he also wasn't Jesus' father. That exchange, we, we later see Mary. Mary pops up several times in the ministry of Jesus. She's even at the cross. But Joseph we see no more. Probably Joseph has died. And he never gets to actually see Jesus do this ministry thing that he came to do. Probably Jesus never marries because Joseph has died and he's got to take care of his mother. He's got to take care of his siblings. That that exchange when Jesus is 12 is the last we ever hear of Joseph. But isn't his story interesting? A story of courage, a story of hope. I can't help but think as I hear this story of the importance of fathers and the, the serious failure that we have in this culture of good fathers to raise up children. The, the, the nativity sets may not to know what to do with Joseph, and our Christmas carols don't know what to do with Joseph. But when I look at the story of Joseph, I see him as someone to look up to. He's kind. He's faithful. He's brave. He's decisive. He's gracious. He's hardworking. In fact, if I look at the character of Jesus, I don't think you can get a Jesus unless you have a Joseph. I mean, for Jesus to be so strong and so brave and so kind and so loving, I think God, our Heavenly Father, used Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, to care for him and to guide him and to turn him into the man that he became. And praise God he did. Praise God for Joseph. So my prayer tonight is that Joseph would be a real example for you. That you might think of the story a little differently from his eyes and that his story would inspire us to have devotion to Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ child. May we follow our God-given dreams and serve Jesus the way Joseph did. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.